0: this episode of the a-list podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag and indeed.com hello everyone and welcome into the 100th yes you heard that right 100th episode of the a-list podcast i'm joined by with gary washburn but more importantly i'm joined by ashrod Blakely, who is currently celebrating his birthday as we record Happy birthday, Sharad! Oh, I mom. am
1: not celebrating as we record. Trust me when I tell you, I am well, not he's celebrating. celebrating right now. Right I will right now. afterwards.
2: I happy, will birthday afterwards. And happy birthday, Sharad! <laughs> happy, happy birthday, Quanis! Happy birthday, mom.
0: Yes. More importantly, happy birthday to my mother, who the gave wore today? Yes, you guys have the same birthday. So
2: wow! Happy birthday, Miss Lenise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you said
0: The last name properly.
1: Yeah.
0: Snaps to that, but yes. But no
1: friandu can't do friandu though apparently. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Sharad, how are you feeling? Another year older and wiser. I'm good. I'm just ready for another trip around the sun. I'm ready to talk about changes, you know? changes. Yeah. Not just for me, but about this green team.
0: I love you just want to skip over your birthday and talk about the big drama that everyone is focused on right now. I do. All right. We'll talk about it, but happy birthday again. Happy As Udoka. people may know at this point, Ime Udoka reportedly is being taken by the Brooklyn Nets. That's still not official but as of now we've read a bunch of reports. Gary has done a little bit of reporting himself. Gary, what do you know at this point?
2: <laughs> uh the Celtics will, will let Eme go. Like they don't they're not going to put a stop, they're not going to stop her to this and at this point they're not going to ask for compensation. They just want the Yudoka era to end. Now they don't have to pay him. Um they're very happy with what Joe jo- Mo- Zulu has done through six games. I know it's only been six games in the training camp, but they seem very encouraged by just the new leaf. And I I don't think once the Missoula kind of, you know, began to get comfortable and make some impact on the organization, that there was no chance that Ime was going to be able to come back. So I just think the Celtics want to move on from the one-year Ime Udoka era, uh, allow Ime to coach in the league again, I didn't think it would happen this fast, but I do believe that uh, it's going to happen in Brooklyn, and he's going to be right down the road uh, for the Nets.
1: Mm-hmm. And for I think for the Celtics, you know, bringing an end to this chapter, it's 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 clearly what they wanted to do. But mm-hmm. I think what, just looking at it in hindsight, I think they wanted to have the option of potentially pursuing comp. Uh, which it, when you think about it, it makes sense why you would suspend him for the year versus firing him. You fire him, you get nothing. You have no shot at getting anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I mean, remember when Doc Rivers you know, wanted to go to LA and they were able to get a first round pick out of that. Uh, that's because that was a coach that wanted to leave and go somewhere and they did not want him to leave this completely different situation. They were more than happy that somebody wanted to take Ime Yudoka uh, off their hands. And, and, and so frankly, you know, Brooklyn, this is yet another Uh, one of those damn Brooklyn really type of things because Ime was the guy you could have had all along Mm -hmm. and the other guy you could have had along was Jock Vaughn who's the interim coach who's probably going to do a better job as an interim coach than Steve Nash did Uh, Steve Nash was a great player but he was a horrible head coach and And part of why he was such a bad coach was he didn't have coaching credibility he didn't do anything in that position that he was in to warrant them to respect him one of the first preseason games, I will never forget this moment. They, Brooklyn was like um, they were on the short end of a run, and then Kyrie just goes up to the ref and calls a timeout. And Steve Nash looking around like, <laughs> "Okay," so he he didn't even know he didn't even know that a timeout was called until he's so. Is play. that
0: more memorable when Kyrie and KD went on Instagram Live and said they're not going to need a coach though? Because that was right. that should have been the red flag right. for the organization
1: at that point. And if you're Steve Nash, I would have tried to work out a buyout when Kevin Durant said this summer that you I should be fired. Like mm-hmm. your best player clearly don't got confidence in you. The organization might do, but you haven't done anything to warrant that com- that that confidence other than the fact that they got you on the payroll. So, uh, but email I think yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Quickly on the Steve Nash note. If I found it very interesting that the Nets PR tweeted that they had mutually parted ways, Woj decided to tweet that Nash had gotten fired. I think Shams also said that they had agreed to part ways, but the language on both sides was pretty interesting to me because it was like, did they mutually agree to part ways or did he get fired? They mutually
1: agreed that you're going to get fired. (laughs) That's what happened. They mutually agree that you're going to get fired. Don't get fired. (laughs) G-O-N space G-E-T fired.
0: (laughs) But you were going to say something about Coach Udoka.
1: Well, I just think this for him, this is a great opportunity to reset with a team that consists of players that you're familiar with. I think he will have a smoother transition than a lot of coaches that come into a situation. And, And let's be honest and keep it real. He coming with an edge. And he already had an edge to begin with. Now he's coming He's coming with an edge and he's armed with two of the top 10, top 15 players in the game. Um, they're gonna, Brooklyn's going to be a problem for some folks. So not should, this week, maybe yeah. not next week, but by the end of the year, they're going to be a problem for some folks.
0: Okay, so you, meant, you both mentioned how there's no compensation for Coach Udoka from the Celtics' end. But I think another big factor is the fact that they are divisional rivals. They obviously swept them in the first round of the playoffs last year. So I think the, the you both think the rivalry is stronger as a result now that there are these added fuels to the fire.
1: Gary, what do you think, Gary?
0: Or are they even? Or is Brooklyn even relevant yet?
2: No, I think it's a major rivalry. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting the first game that Yudoka comes back to Boston and the reception he'll get. Yo, um, those signs are gonna be crazy. You no, know, um, <laughs> I'm not sure if. Yudoka has the credibility to just st- walk in like nothing happened in Boston. Like I think sure. he's going to have to lo- like uh, like my man Ricky Ricardo, the great. Yeah, he's just of Ricky Ricardo. Ricky Ricardo once said, "Lucy, you got a lot of explaining to do." Like um he has a lot of explaining to do. Um <laughs> what happened and obviously he's going to New York. Like he is not going to uh, Charlotte or Minnesota, he going to a market that is going to press him about what the hell happened in Boston. And he's going to have a lot of, uh, you know, pro women's groups in terms of the Me Too movement and and pro, you know, rights for women, obviously, understandably, like, what's going on? What are you guys doing in Brooklyn? Like, it's not going to be a happy, big, happy family once he gets to meet Brooklyn. I mean, if, you know, this goes down, like, to me, he's got a lot of explaining to do. And it's gonna be a lot of off the court situations and, and it's, it's only been a month, mm-hmm. a month and a half, so he can't have resurrected himself like that quickly, right? Like I thought if he were uh, gonna do the image thing, disappear for about eight, nine months, then reappear, you know, look a little different, shave, do something that makes you look dramatically Rebrand. different.
1: Yeah. Huh yeah oh, grow dreads or something
2: what well, I mean come on <laughs> anyway uh, change your look you know just just be a different person. It's hard for me to believe that after five weeks, he's done a one eighty and he's gonna like no, so you're basically hiring almost the same guy that the Celtics don't want to coach yeah. and 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 it's not it's totally off the court on the court. It could very much work. I think he could have an effect. But for him to walk in there like he, LeVar Ball, co- going on, uh, you know, you know, you just rock with this. All, all the brand, Yeah, all the swag doesn't really, I don't see that's happening because the players know what went down. Hey, man, you know, in the media, in the organization, and what about the women in that organization? You know, what are they going to think? What side the
0: does
2: that that work so with you know, yeah. well, The women that work for the Nets. Well, mm-hmm. how does that impact them? Right. You know, so there's a lot that is going to go down and he made that first press conference in Brooklyn. And, you know, he's going to explain himself. And is he going to say five weeks later, Oh, I'm a completely changed man. No. Like, he's going to have to admit mistakes. He's no. going to have to admit that unless he, unless he does the denial game, I didn't do nothing. The shaggy wasn't me. I was wronged. This is not, you know, I totally, my story is not, I've never told my story, but it's not what's been reported. Like he can do that angle, but he's going to have to be very apologetic and just keep his head down and coach. And he's going to have to meet with the media every day. So this is more than just hoop. This is the Me Too movement. This is women's rights. This is the the, the, how comfortable or uncomfortable he makes women in this organization now feel. So there's a lot that is going to go on with this hiring. And that's taking a real chance. Cause this guy, you know, uh, and I said, like he was a total professional with me, a total, like I I can't say I personally saw anything I didn't, but obviously this is someone who made some real uh, bad mistakes over his time in Boston and to say that he's suddenly a changed man in, in five weeks, like, you know, I mean, no, like, you know, this is, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that. So how does this work?
1: You know how it works?
0: Yeah.
1: When point blank that that, this, this hire has absolutely nothing to do with Anything other than winning basketball games, which to me is a recipe for disaster when you put all your eggs in that one particular basket. Because Ime, whether, you know, regardless of what he says in that press conference, to, to Gary's point, you've got to show consistency over time, you've got to show growth and change. Over time, you can't just show up there and say, "Yep, I'm a different man." Five weeks later, yeah, you went from being the, the the hottest thing in the coaching game to unemployed or to be suspended for the year, and now you're back in the game with a team that's what two and five. So things have changed, but I'm not sure to Gary's point. I'm not sure Eme has changed, and I'm not convinced that he's going to be all that apologetic at that opening presser. I would not be shocked if the co- the confidence that he exuded in boston when he really didn't have no receipts for that confidence mm-hmm. is going to be still applicable in Brooklyn. uh he right. as we all know is extremely comfortable and confident in his ability to coach and i mm-hmm. think that's going to be the message that he's going to try to push out as often as he can that i'm here to coach i'm here to coach just like you know you know uh, players i'm just here not to get fined Ime's just there to coach that's what's going. That's going to be his mantra, and the players are going to absolutely fall in line with that. They're going to say, "Look, I don't know what happened in Boston, but all I know is he's a heck of a coach, and we're glad he's here." And Ime is going to sing that same tune. Look, Boston is in the past. I'm going to leave that in the past. I'm here to be the Brooklyn Nets head coach. That's what my focus is on. And as much as we're going to try, as the members of the media, to try to get him to open up about that, I don't think he will. And there will be at some point. I, I got to believe that there's certain things that Ime has agreed to not talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And that, those are the, a lot of the questions, as you can imagine, we want answers to. I mean, thinking back to that Brad Stevens and, and Wick Roseback press conference. Uh, and I, I thought Wick's, you know, the statement that he made about I'm not used to having a piece of paper to 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 kind of you know limit myself because I coming. like being open and free talking. And Ime isn't like that. Um, so for Ime saying very little, that's gonna come naturally to him. Uh, and being more guarded, that's going to come natural to him because, you know, in his time in Boston, we never really got to know him. We never really got to, to, to be around him the way we were like Brad Stevens or Doc Rivers and some of the other coaches that have come through here. Part of that had to do with the pandemic and just the constraints that we had as far as access. But a bigger part of it was just their demeanor. I mean, even though. You know, he was the head coach and we had all these limitations. There were still other assistant coaches that I spent time with that I got to know really well. You know, Will Hardy, who's in Sacramento, you know, him and I had a number of conversations uh, and more, certainly more than I had with Eme. And I just think that Eme right now, he's in a, he is in the best landing spot that he could possibly be in considering all the stuff that, that he has been involved with at the near, near the end of his time in Boston.
0: And if you add to that well for one the bar is kind of the floor when you think about Brooklyn even though they have these superstars and they we've already heard now two seasons that they're supposed to be the next best thing when you talk about basketball he doesn't have that much work to do in the sense of like the expectation for the Brooklyn Nets has still not exceeded what we expected so i think in that from a coaching standpoint he's kind of good on that sense if it's a failure it's just you know you blame Kyrie if it's not He's just the the genius of a coach that he's proven to be quotes so far here in Boston. But I think another thing, Gary, you mentioned only being five weeks out. Wouldn't you say the the shelf life of a coach is a little short in that sense? Like if a year had gone by, would he may even have a shot at being a head coach
2: in the league? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought a year. I thought next season was a little pushing, but maybe the year after, but I thought he would just need some time to this not to be a story for this to cool down for this to um, become yesterday's news and him to rehabilitate his image, you know, do some interviews, tell people that he's changed and then walk into that interview with whatever team with confidence and say, Hey, I made a mistake. Now, I mean, to me, yeah, he's jumping on the calls while they're hot. I'm sure he's going to be compensated nicely in Brooklyn. It's a big time job. It's an organization that wants to win. He's not coaching, you know, Oklahoma City or something. So he is coaching a big time team in terms of wanting to compete. Uh so and I he's got ties there. He was a former assistant coach. But to me, I just don't, I just don't think. It's it's even ex- to, it can be explained how you suddenly if rehabilitate, how have you changed as a man in a month? Like or did you think you need to change? I mean that's some of the hard questions that that's a better question. do it's gonna you be, need to change? you know, or was it was it a mistake? Was it just an error in judgment? Like how are you gonna frame, you know, what you were what you did. How and people are going to ask, and it's going to be TMZ and all these people in the entertainment yep. blogs and yep. AM, page six and all that because this is this is more than basketball. So I, I think that he's jumping on the calls when they're hot. I'm sure that there were conversations with his representative saying, "Well, if we were interested in you, would you are you ready to come back and coach now?" I'm sure he was like, "Yeah, I am." You've
0: been born and,
2: at home. and and you know, let's get this moving. So to me, I'm not so sure this is a good move for Imei adoka for his long-term because like I just said before, his image right now isn't very good unless he just says, hey, I had a, this is what happened. This is all that happened, you know, but the Celtics seem like they know more of what's going down.
1: Well, Gary, the, the one thing that that we we haven't talked about, but it's it's the reality of, of what went down, and that is timing is everything. Uh, what ime did, if that happened five, six, eight, ten years earlier, he'd still be coaching the Celtics. Absolutely, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And and the one thing that that folks who are in in executive positions in the NBA know is that what Ime did happens a lot. Uh, it has happened with damn near every organization in the NBA, if not all of them and it has not led to firing. It has not led to punishment, but because of the time in which this happened, because of the era that we're living in, where these type of indiscretions become much more magnified, uh, and have the potential to have much more, uh, long-term systemic factors and issues and, and, and frankly, fallouts, it's a much bigger deal now. And the Celtics did the appropriate thing and dealt with it the way you're supposed to. But, there's still that old vanguard of folks in the league who are looking at this like, yeah, that happened in Boston, but that happens all the time. Are we going to allow that to sway our our prospect, our our the way we perceive him as a head coach, a leader of our organization? And to me, it, it's it's a quasi enabling dynamic that folks like Eme are going to experience. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that the conversations about what happened in Boston are going to be very long with the folks in Brooklyn. I think that they, based on what they know, they will ask him, is there anything else that we need to know that we don't know about right now? And he may, may have something to say, he may not have something to say, but the bottom line is he's walking into a situation that could not be any more perfectly built for him to succeed. You've got talent already there. You've got ownership who has already embraced your flaws. I mean, usually you got to spend some time with folks to figure out what you don't like. They already know. They already know where the rails need to be put in order to keep email in check. They know that. And they're going to do that. Uh, And to your point, Gary, as far as the female employees, I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, because the Brooklyn Nets, they've been like a lot of NBA teams in terms of becoming more diverse with their staffing, whether it's their sideline reporters, whether yes. it's folks within their front office. And they're certainly uh, they, they have addressed that. And it'll be very interesting to see how they uh, handle that. And you better believe that the women in, in those positions, they're going to be reaching out to the women in the Celtics organization and get all the intel they possibly can about Ime to see if that, if, what are there any things that they need to know that they don't know about already? Uh, so Ime, you know, people wonder, you know, did the Nets vet him well enough? I'm, I'm not worried about that vetting. I'm worried about the vetting that those, uh, and not even worried, I'm more interested in the vetting process of those that are gonna be working with him are going through, because they're the ones that really need to know. They're yeah. the ones that really, that are gonna be dealing with on a regular basis. They need to know what the hell they're dealing with, because, you know, ownership, you might see EMA before the game, and you might see him after the game, and you may see him every now and then. But if you're working in that building, if you're working in an organization, you're going to see him with much more regularity. You need to know what the hell you're dealing with. And you better believe that folks are asking questions.
0: One final note when, before we leave this subject. Take it with a grain of salt, but I just found it very interesting that of all the teams in the league, he is back in the hometown of the great Neil Long
1: just... I was waiting for you to put that. I was waiting for that, Connie.
0: Yeah, quantity. I just, you know, I don't know what that says, but it's just a very interesting thing.
1: Reunite it. We'll see if it feels good. I can't go peaches and herb on them just yet.
0: We don't know. We don't know. But well, moving on. Hold on, but. Yep, yeah.
2: Nia's yeah. from Los Angeles.
0: Well, she claims Brooklyn heavy. She
2: claims Brooklyn. She okay. Well, oh, Gary, why would she claim Los Angeles,
1: Gary? <laughs>
0: <'Cause> <laughs> because Gary because wants we went to went
2: claim Billy. Because we went to the same high school. Anyway, thank you, thank
0: you. You're not claiming auto wait, okay. That would have flex, though.
2: Did you did. know it? No, did not know in high school. No. Okay, okay. I was
1: waiting for him to tell y'all that. Why
2: did you tell us this last time? I, it didn't come up. Yeah, <laughs> same we, went same. To, we went to the same high school.
1: So now, cool. so now he's gone. So now guys, spilling all the tea.
2: Wait, I, mean, I gotta send all my,
0: my kids to that high school then, and it, clearly great talent comes from that school. But Gary went to that high school too. So what you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember know I'm trying to give a compliment. Sir Amir Rod, Johnson Long, went to
2: that same Nier high school. Long and Nier Long and Regina King. I know. Sure. Brenda. Yeah, Brenda. Brenda
1: from 227.
2: Brenda. <laughs> and, wow. And, and Tim's story, who directed the first Barbershop. He's, a, he's so directed her.
0: excellence, including Amir Johnson.
1: <laughs> Don't forget Amir Johnson. Right.
2: That's a little bit for yeah. you, Johnson.
1: He didn't want to say his name, <laughs> Trevor,
2: Trevor, Trevor Reason. Um, really? Huh. Yeah.
1: Oh. I didn't know Trevor went there, too. He was a Westchester.
2: He was a Westchester.
1: Damn, Gary.
2: So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, um, we'll see what happens. And, I, and, and, and for personally, if 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 his son and still lives in Brooklyn, he gets a chance to be closer to his son. So... Okay. I'm just gonna be fascinated with what he says to the New York media in mm-hmm. that first press conference, and when women's groups and when pro women's groups in terms of just the, the women's rights and, and I said, uh, are out there picketing the Nets games and show, you know, what what are they gonna what is the organization gonna to say to that? Because they have every right to have an issue with this.
1: I just and don't want him to what, go all oh, shaggy, it wasn't me on him. Yeah. I don't want him to do that. What
2: are the women in this debts organization? What do they think about this? I'm fascinated to see that too.
0: Mm -hmm. Football is back, guys. And BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. I still have to bet on my Jets because they're still looking good, but whatever team you root for. The Jets? Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's the Jets? Wait, wow. Which because we're talking about New York so much. We need to revamp refresh the the actual New York team the New York Giants is my team that that's I what I was wondering like what yeah, are that's you weird about? I don't know my brain I told you it's been a long day but we're going to get through this so anyway back to bet online there where you can find the latest odds team matchups player news etc cetera, et cetera. anything that you need when it comes to sports betting bet online has you covered as your continued source for sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests live scores giveaways, all of that all season long. So they're always the fastest, easiest way to bet on your favorite sport. And the only thing you have to do is head to betonline.ag. You can join now with a 50% welcome bonus for that first deposit. All you have to do is use that promo code CLNS50 for that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the games to start? While we're in Brooklyn, I wanted to leave New York, but I feel as though we should stay in Brooklyn for just a little bit longer because we have to talk about Kyrie Irving, because he is also the biggest, yeah, I know, I'm sorry, but it's in the rundown, so we have to talk about it. Kyrie has been very, I don't even know the term, he's been, he posted a link to a film that has been deemed anti-Semitic, on his Twitter account and had a little back and forth with an ESPN reporter. I'm sure if you're online at this point, you've probably seen it. But what do you two think, if there will be at all, is the penalty? The Brooklyn Nets have already pushed back on saying that they do not condone anti-Semitism. And as you both know, we've also seen a rise in it as a result of Kanye West's comments earlier this, well, last month. And of course, people have felt, I think, empowered now that Twitter is owned by Elon Musk and it just uh, literally, uh, I could word vomit everything that's going on, but I'm sure everyone listening already knows. But specifically with Kyrie, do you two think there will be any kind of penalty for one, the things that he's posted on his platform, but two, just the way he's been standing behind what he said at this point?
1: Go Gary, you got it.
2: No, well, I think um, if something was gonna happen, it would have happened by now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the league is just trying to hope this, this, you know, move on from this, release a bunch of statements that are nameless and don't point out Kyrie's uh, yeah. in particular and keep it moving. And I don't, I, I gotta say this, like uh, the movie that Kyrie pointed Hebrews and Negroes, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a movie and I haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah. We're just reading about it. It's kind of like, um a, a philosophy on who is the original man on earth mm-hmm. and it says that black black africans were black people okay if that is um, black
0: hebrew israelites movement yes. essentially
2: yes the yes. black israelites movement and you know growing up in los angeles and seeing people with all types of mm-hmm. political i've seen folks before the, the you know asiatic black folks and the like people that think that we're jews all, all that i've seen that before, you know, you go to your local park and the brothers is telling you what they think and mm-hmm. asking you and things like
0: that.
2: Yes, you know, asking you to, you know, saying, you know, they have certain, their particular religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm not sure if Kyrie, the movie is over two hours, I mean, over three hours. Okay. So, um, and I'm not saying he's not smart enough to watch it or whatever. Did he watch the movie? Did he read the book? Because it's based off a book from 2015. Yeah. Okay, um, that's the question I have. And if you haven't, and it sounds like something that you would support, because I think at this point it's safe to say, like Kyrie has embraced black nationalism, he is, you know, embraced uh, the Muslim faith. He is, he is, he is changing, which is that's his choice. If that's what he wants to do, okay. I've had family members, friends, you know, embrace Islam or more black nationalism and more where we come from, things like that. But you have to be able to explain that. And if you haven't seen the movie, and you know, then don't plug it as much because you do have 4.5 million followers. You do have a platform where people are going to say, "Oh, well, if Kyrie said watches, let me check this out." If he had just said, "Listen," I just want people to watch a certain, this type of movie. Like, I just want people to learn. If they agree with it or don't agree with it, I just want them to get a different point of view. I would have respected that. I just want people to get a different point of view. Now, the anti-Semitic language, I've heard it has. Like, that's terrible. I can't speak for that. Like, that's unacceptable. Like, you know, but if it's a movie where you feel like, listen, this is not... uh, violent or this isn't, you know, offensive, but this is a different point of view. One that I'm learning about and I just plugged it or promoted it because I want people to think, tell me what they think of it. That would have been a better solution. That would have been something that's okay. Like, Hey, I don't support this, but I just want people to say, watch this and say, what, tell me what they think. We all have seen movies about theories. I mean, there's 10 movies about the assassination of JFK and how it was the CIA. It was you know there was a the CIA. It was the FBI. It was the Russians. It was the Cubans. Like there's ten theories on who killed JFK. There's other theories on who killed MLK. Martin Luther King. King's family came out years later and said they don't think it was James Earl Ray. You know so there are different theories. I went to the Civil Rights Museum. And there are, if you if you guys have been in Memphis, the Civil Rights Museum has details and looks into all the theories of King's assassination. Hmm. You know that it wasn't James Earl Ray, that it was that it was, you know, the, the CIA, things like that, that the conspiracy, all like. So if that's what you're trying to do, if you're Kyrie, I want people to look at this and tell me what they think or give me. Then that's one thing, but to to post it, and you probably don't know all of what's in it, and then be defensive about it, it's just going to turn the people that were trying to have your back, it's going to turn them off too, because you're being defensive about it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And it reminds me of a conversation that happened in Milwaukee, um, right after the All-Star game, when Kyrie had that infamous conversation with Kevin Durant at, at, in Charlotte. And we were, and Steve Bullpit from the Herald was pressing him about that conversation. And the more he pressed him about it, the more Kyrie got defensive about it. It was just two friends having a conversation. Total denial. Now, did he, was he supposed to say, yeah, I was trying to get him to sign with Brooklyn because I'm out. Like, no, I don't expect him to say that. Yeah. But as we as Shroud and I learned and you learn, covering Kyrie's inexperience. And if you come at him with the wrong tone, with the wrong word usage, he is going to get defensive. You've got to ask him certain. That's the one thing I learned about Kyrie. Specific question. You have to ask him certain. You, you can't lead him. You can't talk to him like you expect him to answer a certain way. You can't say, Kyrie, uh it rained today. Who says it rained? I saw water. Was that rain or was that mist? I didn't like you. You cannot assume that he is going to tell you something that even is the blatantly obvious. So I just go back to the conversation in Milwaukee where, you know, Bullpit was pressing him on that conversation. And then it came up. Well, why don't you tell the fans or, you know that it's not, it wasn't about you leaving Boston or free agency, it was about, you know, like, and he was like, what? So I can, you know, and he kind of, so I can, you know, you guys can go to social media and I, cause social media, like he, he, so.
1: He deflected.
2: It's not, this; it's the same situation, he'll get defensive. Mm-hmm. But I think if he had a better explanation, listen, I didn't see the movie, I literally just wanted people to get a different point of view because this is something i'm studying i think people would have had respect for it now not everybody would have liked it mm-hmm. and he probably would have said listen i saw it i did not know there were so many anti-semitic references or lyrics lyrics uh you know phrases oh, yeah. in, you know in in the in the movie and in, in scenes or, or whatever you know i haven't seen it um it is on It is available on social on uh you know Amazon, Prime. Amazon Prime.
0: Prime, yeah, Prime. Now we all know about it. I and ain't
2: going to plug Amazon. I ain't paying this. Does, like, that's,
0: that's, guess, that's what he said. But yeah. that's the thing. He got caught up in Nick Friedel's usage of the word promotion to your point, Gary. of He was particular about what he was pulling out of the question. And the reality is that he was, whether he admittedly wanted to, to, to do so or not, he was promoting it by posting it. Because like you said, the 4.5 million followers that see it, they're clicking that link out of curiosity, out of spite, whatever the case may be, they're still clicking because they're curious. And I think that is where the conversation was lost of him not understanding that whether he agreed with what Nick was saying, he was asking a question that was legitimate because it was seen as a form of promotion.
1: The problem that tends to come up with when Kyrie gets into these little kerfuffles, Mm-hmm. With with us and media and, and just people in general, is that he he recognizes that he has a tremendous amount of power and influence and sway over folks, but he okay. doesn't embrace the responsibility that comes with that power, that comes with that 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 connectivity he has with fans. And in this particular instance, whether he intended to do this or not, and I don't think he intended to do it, but it does come off that way. He becomes another part of the narrative of individuals who are trying to normalize these type of anti-Semitic thoughts. And that's the scary part. It's one thing to deal with somebody who is intentionally trying to go there. It's scary to me when you're doing that without necessarily either recognizing you're doing it or you don't want to see what you're doing. And when someone points it out to you, rather than hear what they're trying to say, you're going to you're just going to dig deeper into your own you know, wormhole and just stick to what you think is the truth and pick and and choose what elements of what they're telling you is, is happening to latch onto. Like, as you pointed on coin, the word promotion, uh, he, I mean, he absolutely grabbed that and would not let it go. Uh, and I thought that was his way of deflecting from what really we're talking about, which is you putting a link out to a piece of work that has a strong anti-Semitic message and tone to it. And whether you believe that or not, that you are implicitly endorsing that by the simple fact that you're putting it out there to your four and a half million followers. So whether you agree with everything or not, you don't give the audience a chance to understand that. Like if there are elements in that that you agree with, just speak on those things and just say, there's a lot of things i are going to talk about, but I'm going to just say right now, I link that because I agree with their point about this and this and this. The rest of that stuff, I'm not really clear on, but those three elements or those two things, those are things that I am actually on board with. That way, not only are you showing that you have actually taken time to learn about what you're spewing about, but you're also taking it to that next step, which is educating your audience. Kyrie doesn't do that. He throws, st- he, he throws stuff out there, and it's just like, and? And? I mean, like, what like the, the press conference that he had the other day where he opens with saying that, I went to Amazon Prime, I put in a term, and I put in another term, and this came up, there you have it. So to me, it's like, you didn't watch it? You didn't do any kind of research on it? I mean, at a, on, a, on a, to me, on the cookies on the bottom of the shelf level, you watch it. You watch the damn movie that you just particularly when you have that type of platform. Um he's just he's just very flawed, and we all are flawed, and I get that. But to have the type of platform that he has and to be as reckless about it and not taking on the responsibility that you should when you have a platform of that size, that's troublesome.
0: It kind con- not like that, it's exact similarity because these are two two completely different um examples but him not watching or reading it again we haven't confirmed but it's kind of like when lebron would walk around with books in his hand and then he was actually asked what he'd take away from that malcolm x autobiography and he didn't really have much to say because he hadn't fully read it so a lot of times it it feels as though i mean maybe there are similar in the sense that it's an optics thing it's like if he's promote if he mentally wants to promote these this kind of content whether or not they're actually consuming it. For them, it's about what is my, what are my optics? What is my brand? And how do I continue to build that brand? And clearly for Kyrie, it's, it's definitely not on the path of what society is.
1: Then about. be transparent about that. I mean, be yeah. transparent that, look, I haven't read this book, but I hear it's X, Y, Z, one, two, three, pretty right. good, pretty bad, whatever. And that, yeah. at least that way we know, okay, he didn't read this book, so mm-hmm. he doesn't really know what it's about. So I'm going to put... His recommendation in a certain category because it's coming from the perspective of someone who doesn't really know what the hell they're they're, they're putting out there versus Mm -hmm. someone who's actually read it or has looked into it or just can give me some knowledge other than the fact that they saw this on their screen, they did a copy and paste, put it in a tweet, put it on IG whatever, send it on its way.
0: Well, I know that our fans would rather us talk about the Boston Celtics. Before we do that, I have to talk about Indeed. And I'm sure that the Brooklyn Nets might be appreciative this week of our ad sponsor, Indeed, because no one has a business like yours and with all its strengths and challenges to succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is the platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for the right head coach or candidate for your job with just the right skills, Indeed has the powerful tools to help you find the person that you need. And one of the most powerful tools actually is that instant match. Over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match the job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to U.S. data. When you sponsor a post on Indeed, you're three times more likely to get a hire. So, I mean, why not sign up for something that just makes your job so much easier? So, all you have to do right now, if you're looking to hire for your small business or your NBA team, is to start hiring with that $75 sponsored job credit. All you have to do is go to Indeed.com slash A-list. The offer is good for a limited time. Again, you can claim that $75 credit now on Indeed.com slash A-list. Need to hire, you need Indeed. So let's talk about the actual Boston Celtics. Sorry that we took you guys through this long journey through Brooklyn up the East Coast, and now we're in Boston, where the Celtics are looking, you know, a little good right now. <laughs> you know, a little, what was that? You know, are well, they doing their thing? I mean, it was a little rocky, you know, at one point, but they're bouncing back right now. They have a they the most recent win was at home win over Washington. Jalen Brown had 24, Jason Tatum had 23. The what was your takeaway from? Let's start with those two. What would, who stood out to you the most? Point to side.
2: <laughs> got it, G. No, go ahead. <laughs> All right, the guy. The
1: to me, the, the guy that stood out was Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, let's um, skip him. <laughs> but the thing about Malcolm, twenty three points, twenty three minutes. That in itself <laughs> is great, but more importantly, his ability to just set the tone defensively, uh showcase the ability to be an impact player, which they brought him in here to do. I mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was his one of his best, if not the best game he had at both ends of the floor. I thought he did a lot of good things defensively. Uh, and as a team they did a lot of good things defensively, which for them that that has to be that has to be a major part of their success going forward.
2: Um I I thought Bride did well. Uh I thought i say Lou
1: Cornette. <laughs> no, <I> thought, <laughs> not
2: even waiting, I thought, thought Jalen set the tone. uh I thought it was just a good all-around effort, a good wow. defensive effort. um You know, shutting Beal down in that game until you know not scoring until like three minutes left in the third quarter, keeping him as a total non-factor. I wasn't crazy about some of the runs they gave up. I think when they got up fifty-one twenty-seven, and it looked like it was going to be a really easy night, they started getting cute. And then, um, you know, Washington cut it to 11 by halftime. And that's the kind of game that you're up 24 in the first half, make it 30 or 35, like put them really away and you can make an, an easy night. And it was somewhat of an easy night because Jalen and Jason only played um, like a minute 40 in the fourth quarter, but you could have made it a little bit easier by concentrating a little bit more. And those are the lapses that we saw last year playing with leads. Oh, the pull-up threes and 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 everybody trying to get each other their their turn at the three ball. Like just play the game through. So, but I thought Malcolm was was tremendous in that game. I thought he kind of took pressure off Jason and Jalen scoring wise. Uh, and as I said, there's a good you you gotta beat teams like that. Like those are the teams you need to focus on beating, taking care of business, breaking that two-game losing streak.
0: And I want to go to the game right before that, the bench. So we've been talking about the bench since, honestly, the NBA finals at this point. So scoring 48 points against Cleveland, even though it ended up being a loss, do you think that was a fluke of what the bench can do? Or is that real? Is that what the Celtics bench is made of?
1: They got guys. Oh, go ahead, Gary. You got it.
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think those, those guys get more comfortable in their roles. And Brogdon and that to Sam Hauser could be a factor. And, you know, uh, there was no Grant against Cleveland, remember? So that's a, miss, a little bit scoring off yeah. the bench there. Um, you know, I think the bench is fine. You know, I think that could they use another boost? I think they could, but we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, obviously it looks like Cornette has kind of replaced Vonley as that backup center role because he's got some considerably more minutes over the last couple of games than he did in the first couple of games where he was just kind of playing mop-up duty. Um, so I look out for that factor. And, you know, I think they're just trying to find themselves, find their role. Hauser's getting open, clean looks. I, I think uh, focus on him. What's going to happen with Peyton Pritchard? Can he get some, earn some more minutes? Uh, I just think there's some uh, left... You know some some things to still figure out with the bench, but I do think they're capable of scoring points, you know. House can hit the open three, Brock can get to the basket. Um, Grant Williams can is capable of 15, 18 points on a on a given night. So I don't I think that that's what they need from their bench. You know, um, they need a lift. I think it was interesting when Brockton said in Chicago, like they got smoked, like. Chicago put in their bench. The Celtics took like a 20, you know, 19-point lead. And the Celtics, the Bulls were countered with like Derrick Jones Jr. and Gordon Drogic and Andre Drummond. And it was like the Celtics then got smoked and they blew the lead very quickly. Brogdon was bad. There was a lot of just really poor play on, on that. They didn't hold the lead. They didn't keep things up. And that's what the bench needs to do. Keep the level of play high. So I thought they did that on most part against Cleveland. Good job against Washington. Uh, The the problem against Cleveland was just the defense was, you know, was awful.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you give up 41 points to not one, but two guys in the same game, hell yeah, your defense is awful. Uh, Especially if only one of those two is an all-star caliber player. And especially if one of those two next game out has what? One point? Something ridiculous like that. uh, the bird had the the, the bench is going to be fine. I, I think they're going to be fine because they have something that I don't think they've had in a while, and that's legitimate, bona fide, undeniable leadership. That's what Malcolm Brogdon gives them. He gives them a presence that they, I think, understand their roles and em- and em- have embrace those roles. You know, Hauser knows when he gets in the game, his job is to shoot, but he's got to do enough defensively so that he that doesn't stand out in a bad way. Uh, You start going, Grant Williams, you know, he's your job, knock down open shots and and be somewhat of a physical presence around the basket. Uh, You start going down a line of what guys are supposed to do. And it's clear that they have the talent to get significant contributions night in and night out from that bench. It's just a matter of, are those guys going to consistently make the most of their opportunities? Because they're going to get, they're going to get opportunities to play. Uh, Joe Mazzula has been pretty clear about wanting to, to play, you know, lots of different guys, but, if you're not getting it done, he's got no choice but to have but to have you sit next to him and the rest of the coaches. Uh, you don't want to be you don't want to be that dude. So, I like where they're at, but I think that there's still a couple layers of levels that they can get to with that second unit and 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 be really really better than they are right now.
0: You mentioned Brogdon. Do you would you rather see him start or what do you think about him coming off the bench consistently? Which do you think is a better fit for the Celtics? <laughs>
1: second unit. I, I like him with the second group because they need some stability. As I mentioned earlier, they need a glue guy. And he's that hes that guy. I mean, he is, you know, he has a presence about him that speaks to his ability to be a leader of men. And that's what you need in that second unit. It's you that need Barack to- Obama
0: voice. I'm telling you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean,
1: he's got that going on. And bottom line is, He's talented too. I mean, we can talk about leadership all you want, but he he, he can get buckets. He can make plays. Um, experience that all matters. And, he, yeah. and, he, and he's, he's a good player who understands and appreciates what he brings to the game, mm-hmm. and understands how to connect with his with his teammates. And he's done a good job as a leader for these guys. Agreed.
0: Agreed. What else do we need to talk about? Uh, let's, yeah, the Wizards were actually the Celtics' first opponent this season that held were held to less than hundred points. Do you think the Celtics are back to being an elite defense? And is this the defensive player of the year effect? Mr. Marcus Smart.
2: Go ahead, Gary. No.
0: Trickle down defense.
2: No, they got a, I mean, they got Cleveland on Wednesday, then Chicago. The the two teams that that beat them, they got them coming up again this Uh week. Let's see what happens there. I think they play good defense, but I don't think they're back. I think they got some work that they have to do on schemes and techniques but I think it was a good sign, but I think it's going to take 10, 15 games more for them to really play that lockdown defense. And obviously, you know, whenever Robert Williams comes back, I think that will add to it and make it just, you know, the cherry on top in terms of their defensive uh, arsenal. But um, I'm not going to go off one game. I think, I think they've got to be like more consistent in that department, stick to their principles, not let let things go uh, when things get a little bit difficult uh, as they did against Cleveland.
1: Yeah, there's definite signs of, of, of trending in the right direction defensively, but they still have a ways to go. And, and even when they continue to make progress, we're not going to really know how good they are until they get Robert Williams back. I think that his absence really you know just makes everything a little bit more pronounced as far as problems I talked to Al Horford after you know the the game with the Wizards and we talked about just not having Rob and you know Al made it pretty clear that without Rob we all have to do our jobs a lot better because Rob cleaned up a lot of the mistakes that we made yeah they were a top-ranked defense but they got arguably the top-ranked cleanup guy back there making sure that you know when they get beat it doesn't it doesn't have a significant impact. And I, and I think what we saw the last in those games that they lost, it became very apparent what not having Rob Williams looked like. Uh, there are certain games that we're going to see between now and his return where his absence is going to be very pronounced, that you're going to know this is why this guy got some, you know, was, was an, you know, an all NBA defender. This is why when these players talk about who's the team's best defender, the only person that, that is if given any consideration to be better than him is Marcus Smart who's the defensive player of the year. So his absence is certainly a factor, but defensively, I, I again, I like what I'm seeing with guys like Jalen Brown, for example, I thought he had, had a really good uh, game defensively uh, the other night. And, you know, even though Sam Hauser is not no lockdown defender, he's not going to get any all NBA defensive votes, but when I'm watching him play, I'm not watching him get completely filleted and, and, and char-grilled defensively. He is not barbecue chicken out there. He does not me. become it's barbecue bar- chicken deal. defensively. No barbecue chicken alert. <laughs> no barbecue chicken for Sam Hauser, and that's a great thing because when when you, when people talk about his play, you're focusing mostly on what he does well, which is making shots. You're not thinking about what he does defensively because he doesn't make the mistakes that I think some other guys uh, are making defensively. He's a good positional defender. He's not out jumping anybody or anything like that, but you're not seeing guys easily blow by him. And when guys do beat him, he's smart enough to to direct them to where the help's at. So um, Sam's been a solid defender.
0: Jalen Brown, though, you mentioned him a little bit. Do you think his defensive game has improved?
1: So far, it, I thought the Washington game was really, really good. You start going through the numbers, guys shot like 35% against him uh, in that game, and they were seven for 20 combined, which is a lot of shots for, for, for one guy to, to be defending. But I thought Jalen, as Gary pointed out earlier, I thought Jalen did set the tone at both ends of the floor. I thought his defense was solid. It felt, it felt as though he did a better job of contesting shots. And it seemed that as a team, they did a better job at that. And, and defensively, you know, that's a big part of being successful, the ability to make the degree of difficulty for your opponents as tough as possible. And I thought they did a much better job of that. And as Gary pointed out, you know, Bradley Bill didn't score till late in the you know third quarter. I think his first basket, he scored with about three minutes to play. And he made his first basket with about a minute, 30 minute, 40 to play in the third quarter. And to hold a guy that explosive offensively to like one bucket and basically, you know, damn near three quarters of play, that's that that's impressive. And Jalen certainly was one of the guys that, that had a hand in that. Before we wrap
0: up Around the league, but still in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn, I keep wanting to say New York things. Wow. The Milwaukee Bucks are the only team that's currently undefeated. They're 6 0 as of Tuesday. Do you think this is sustainable? How long do you think the Brooklyn.
1: You mean A- go 82 and 0? Is that what you're saying, Brooklyn? Funny?
0: Why do I keep saying Brooklyn? Yeah, Milwaukee. can they go undefeated? <laughs> uh, no. No. They're
1: good. No. They're, good. No. they're good. They're, they're, um, I, I, look, they're going to be one of the last teams standing. There's no, and I I do believe Milwaukee will be the best team going into the playoffs out of the East. I think they'll have the best record. I think they've got, you know, one of the most unstoppable players who is basically a mid range to long range jump shot away of being the most unstoppable player period. Uh, with his athleticism, his age, he's still a relatively young man. Uh mm-hmm. Just his basketball IQ just seems to keep growing and growing, and just pure athleticism. And, and the NBA has a lot of great athletes, but Giannis is on a different level uh, than that. I, I think back to when he first came into the NBA, and they were practicing for a game before the Celtics. They were practicing at uh, it was Emerson College, and they in the practice, one of the guys was was saying Giannis, I need you to do this thing and Giannis goes on to one end of the court, sprints down, dribbling the ball, and takes off with about a good a good half a foot behind the line and dunks the damn basketball. That free throw dunk that Jordan kind of does, Giannis can do that. Giannis can absolutely do that. And this was a this was when he was like skinny Giannis. Like mm-hmm. hadn't really that been fed Giannis. Skinny, Yeah. Now he's eating now he's eating well. Uh, he's eating food well. He's eating teams well. He's he's that dude. Yeah, Milwaukee's going to have the best record in the East. Uh, playoffs is a crapshoot. It depends on health, depends on matchups, things of that nature. But they are going to have the best record in the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs.
0: Y'all better go to betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50.
1: <laughs> Y'all better go get them collard greens. Y'all better go get that food, Gary. Y'all better go eat. Gary, what do you think?
0: Brooklyn? Uh, Brooklyn, again, just...
2: What? I think they they're fine. I don't think they play particularly well yet this season. They kind of held on to beat Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. The games I've seen them, they've had spurts. Uh, they don't look like this juggernaut yet, but they don't have Chris Middleton. They don't have Pat Connaughton. So I think they they're going to be fine after that. So uh, yeah, I think they're the main contender in the East. Miami started out slow, two and five. Philadelphia's just starting to get things together now. Win a couple of games in a row, getting Doc off the hot seat a little bit win at Washington, um, you know, and just, just starting to get things together. So I think the East is obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Brooklyn. Um, but I think that at this point it's Miami and Philadelphia and then Cleveland, I think is some team to watch out for, you know, everybody's like, there's a couple of years away, but it might be, this might be the year that they start, they bite somebody and get to the second round or something like that. So I think Cleveland's definitely someone to watch out for too. So, um, yeah, I think the, the 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 competition's there, but I think Milwaukee's the best. But right now, I don't think they're playing particularly great either. Uh, but with Middleton back, I think right now they're the best.
0: You heard it here first, folks. Once again, we got to show some love to our sponsors, BetOnline.ag. I know I keep making jokes, but seriously, use that promo code TLNS50. Of course, Indeed.com/slash/a list if you're looking to hire that's episode 100 guys that's crazy put some sparklers in the (laughs) (laughs) gary is just the party pooper not dancing but it's okay (laughs) there we go (laughs) (laughs) wow that's a really good impression of a noisemaker i'm i'm
2: impressed great
0: well, thank you to our listeners for getting us to 100 episodes. Again, happy birthday to Sherrod. We'll be back next week. This is the A-List podcast. Thank you for listening.